Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. This time, we're heading over to Grandma's house to visit Star Trek Discovery Season 1, Episode 11, The Wolf Inside. Boy, I am eating the starburst. It's making my mouth so watery. Hi guys, I'm recording a show by myself today. <laughs> Sorry. No, I was kidding. There he is. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'm, the guy at the beginning, that other, that other weird guy at the beginning, he probably said the other thing, tells you who we are. But let me introduce myself formally. Let me formally introduce. Let me introduce myself formally to you. Let me to you introduce me. Let me enter, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. <laughs> this is uh, this is Jack Dorino. And I'm Earl Grey. And together we're doing podcasts and it's called Let's Talk About Treks. Yes. Today. Or, or we haven't yet come up with a better title, so. <laughs> <laughs> so we we actually have come up with a better title. We have. Yeah, yeah. Surprise. Nobody and I just can't. I can't tell you what it is. Oh, it's a spoiler. <laughs> it, it's not terra firma. Oh, that'd be dope. <laughs> I tell you, I'm still pumped up. Like days later, after seeing the episode like 85 times, um, <laughs> at the end of episode 10, uh, it was called "Despite Yourself." Yeah. And we're all like, "Long live the Empire! Long live Captain Burnham!" I'm like. And I'm like Ficard pushing some chips across the table. I'm old and like, as soon as I say that, it's just like I'm, I'm here for the ride. Let's do it. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, the mirror universe. And it's rough and it sucks, but it's really neat to see. I guess. <laughs> really, I really enjoy the like the way everybody's so like confident and so like uh-huh. firm in their wrongness. Long live the Empire. <laughs> oh, did you want me to join in? Yeah. I don't do very many impressions very often. Oh, it's it's okay. You don't have to do impressions. <laughs> Secretly, everyone, shh, don't tell. He's doing a whole impression now. Is it actually a female? Female Farzan. Don't tell yeah. me. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Is that now, bad? My friends, now, my friends, we know why. My favorite is not who. Impressions very honest. <laughs> unlike uh, our friend, watch this segue. Unlike our friend, uh, Ash Tyler, who's been doing an impression this whole time. Or, or yeah, may may not even exist. Yeah, I'm still, I, I wonder if we'll ever unlock that secret. Hmm, let's find out in the next two seasons. Huh. Spoiler alert, we never find out. Yeah, he just disappears. Yeah, and did he ever exist? Well, it doesn't matter, because now, well, spoiler alert, we're like a billion years in the future, so nobody cares about an Ash Tyler or a Voke or a Firewolf. Man, let me tell you something about this Firewolf guy. So listen. Oh, maybe I'll wait till we get... No, I'm not going to wait. Yeah, we should wait. But one thing really quickly. The Windows 10 has completely gotten rid, I found out the other day, of the blue screen of death. Guess how they did it. How? They turned it green. 
It's like now whenever Windows runs into an error, it'll stop and it'll be like, oops, we ran into a problem. And it's a bright green screen. I'm like, you sons of bitches. They can probably say they've they cheated. Yeah, they've eliminated the blue screen of death. That was their Kobayashi Maru. And they got around their Kobayashi Maru by turning it green. <laughs> Another Kobayashi Maru might be, what is Ash Tyler supposed to do when faced with the truth of the reality of his reality? There's a lot of purple hanging out around uh, in space around the uh, USS Discovery, or in this case, the artificial ISS Discovery. Purple is traditionally a royal color, very royal, and there it's like they're give, giving a little subtle hint to the audience. Look at our royal ship, you know. Either something to do with imperial royalty or. Um, just the fact that they want you to see their ship as regal and royal, and just because it's our ship for our show, and they want you to see it the way you might have used seen the uh, big ED. GIC reminds me of the cover of Architects of Infinity, which is a Star Trek Voyager novel, which is written by Kristen Byer. And Kristen Byer is one of the people, like the consultants, to get like Star Trek right. Comes like she has a, like a larger role later in the Star Trek Discovery series, but it's interesting that this um, this Architects of Infinity t- uh, cover should mirror the a- an episode in the Mirror Universe because mm-hmm. so okay. Christian Bayer wrote like this whole series of like ten novels that basically constitute the like season eight of Star Trek Voyager. It's really cool. Um, okay. During during this episode, they're like. Uh, during this part of it, they're like gathering this fleet, which is going to go back to the Delta Quadrant for some damn reason from the Alpha Quadrant. Um, so I just found it really interesting that they they uh, they had a uh, a Voyager reference in Discovery. Does that make sense? Like a visual reference? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Off of that, I want to comment that I always thought it was funny in like a lot of the more modern role plays. They like to do this thing where they yeah, your ship goes to the Delta Quadrant, and it's like how. How does it get there within our lifetime, within a reasonable, without a weird accident, they go there to explore? And it's like, well, yeah, that is one of the only quadrants left in the Milky Way galaxy that we can explore, but there's still plenty of exploring actual regular Star Trek seeking out new life in the Alpha and the Beta quadrant, let alone once we're at peace with the Dominion, maybe part of the treaty should have included some exploration rights, you know? Why go back to the Delta Quadrant when, you know, there? Why go all that way to find adventure when there's adventure out your back door? Yeah, sure. I get that. I mean, there, there's plenty of stuff that is beta canon that you can get into. Like, uh, I mean, there was a interesting race in uh, the the video game Star Trek: A Final Unit or Next Generation: A Final Unity. That I, you know, I thought that you know, there was going to be a whole thing about in a couple of the fleets that we were in and get off my tangent here. No, it's okay. Are we talking about, are you talking about the, um, about the Zenkethi? Uh, I thought it was this Zenkethi, but I thought yeah. it might have been a different race, too. There's been, like, the Zenkethi has been, like, side, like sort of like a quiet sideline enemy, like, for a while. Because they were mentioned in Next Generation. They were, like, Yeah, but nobody wants to use it, so. Well, they were used in Deep Space Nine. In TNG, A Final Unity, there's a race where they're, like, in these big domes, and they're, like, basically big, gooey, 
I don't remember what they were, but I don't remember the name of their race, but I, it might have been the Zinkethi. Well, so um, but they weren't humanoid at all. There's a And they had these gateways and the doorways. Oh. Oh, but they weren't Iconian? I don't think they were Iconian. No. HR MPH. Well, uh, now that we've discussed something that we have no clue about. <laughs> I'm sure our fans will leave comments in the... Uh, like, uh, you guys should watch Star Trek, so you know what the hell you're talking about before you just start. <laughs> I, well, it was so long ago when I played the game, although there is a playthrough that I can link you to pretty soon. I know. Eventually. Speaking of old Star Trek games, I gotta tell you, my, one of my favorite games on the planet ever in the world, ever in life, is Star Trek Elite Force 2. You know, I never got to play Elite oh, Force my 1. God. I, I don't know if I played it either. But, like, Elite Force 2 was, like, it's huh? like a Half-Life deathmatch, right? Like, if you wanted to. Or you could just, like, play through the story. And I tell you what, like, it's on Abandonware Games now. Uh, if you can look up Abandonware. Oh, okay. I didn't download it. It's free. They'll give you the uh, the ISO files, which are basically copies of the DVD, so that you can, like, tell your computer, I have this disc. And the computer will be like, okay, you got the disc. Let's play the game. And it's great. Like, it stands up. Like, it's, it's not phenomenal graphics but the graphics are good enough that it's like I'm definitely in a Star Trek universe it's like it's pretty cool so I yeah. really recommend going to Abandon Where finding Star Trek Elite Force 2 because it, it, I think it used to be owned by Activision but like nobody has the rights to it anymore nobody cares about it nobody's selling it so it's free go find it it's fucking cool I uh I really like the Klingon Doom clone your first we weapon was a Jatag oh and uh and you know what I mean by a doom, a doom clone, right? I'm not sure. That's what I was asking. I don't know if it's like, like a patch that covers everything and makes it look like something else. No, no, no. It's a it's a full game, but it's a 3D shooter, just like sure. any all the other yeah, like Elite Force 90s, early, early early oddies clones of the movie uh, video game Doom. Yeah, no doubt. No. Okay. You just make your own own regular game. You know, or like you compared uh, Elite Forces to Half-Life. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, everybody was doing their own version, recreating their own version of Doom uh, on their own platforms and stuff and their own games because that was the new hot thing is 3D shooters. Yeah, everyone loves an FPS. Are we doing a show today? Yeah, so the first scene that we actually see inside the USS Discovery, masquerading as the ISS Discovery, I, I thought it was very, like, alien-like. You know, alien-esque. The movie Alien. Okay. Oh. Like the appearance of the of the interiors of the ship? Is that what you mean? Oh, yeah, oh dark oh, and right. creepy. And I got you. Yeah. You're talking about the scene where they're replacing the rocks in the ceiling, right? Because they were... <laughs> oh, that's what she's yeah. doing. That's what, she yeah, got that's a regular stepladder, too. Did you notice yeah, yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the Lower Decks group. And they're they're putting the rocks back in the ceiling because there was a tanker. Right? So, so there's crap all over the place. So they gotta like gather all that stuff up and put that stuff back in the ceiling and then seal it into place with a with a huh? thing. Um so it's good to see the lower decks crew out doing a good day's work again. <laughs> but of course that's where they give us a creepy scene where they find uh Stamets rocking in the dark like he's Jack, like yeah. Not me, Jack, not not your boy Jack. But you know, you know, Jack is you know, comes through the door with an axe, that guy. Oh, the here's Johnny guy. Here's Jack Johnny. Nicholson. No. Here's Johnny. Jack, I don't know. And I'll give you yes, that's totally an alien scene. And if like some slimy creature had come out of nowhere 
and mm-hmm. attack somebody, I totally wouldn't have been surprised. Uh, it's given me, it gave me uh, Enterprise Gorn vibes, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I feel like we, we, we saw, like, a hint of the Gorn, but didn't really see the Gorn during Enterprise. Is that true? No, we see a Gorn in Enterprise. I feel like I have the memory of, like, a slimy tail disappearing around the corner. Okay. Maybe I got distracted because I was looking up the walkthrough for a final unity for you. What? What? <laughs> That's like one of the, it's one of the best non-episode episodes of TNG. Oh, I'm going to have to find out about this because these, sometimes these shows, sometimes these shows, these uh, games have really good storylines and it's, yeah. you experience them and go through them. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Trek Q is not one of those games. Just so, just so everyone. Star Trek Q? Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not one of those. Oh no, is it? What's it called? Is it called Borg? Well, there. Yeah, there's there's two uh, full motion video games, uh, or, or whatever they call them. Yeah. Um, there's Star Trek Klingon is the first one, then the se- sequel is Star Trek Borg. Yeah, yeah. So it's a Star Trek. I enjoyed both of those. Uh, I thought the Q storyline could use a little bit more like purpose. It's kind of like, Star Trek Borg, let's throw Q in yeah. there. As you know, it's Borg. But, like, can we get a purpose for that, please? Yeah, I mean, that that's an okay opinion on that. Or, <laughs> not. that's not the word I'm looking for. Why? You're tripping over your words, and I'm planking on the words I want to use today. We're making word salad today. The boys show you how to mix up with the words. Did you notice the uh, joystick on the guy's console on the Shinzo there? I just noticed the joystick. Oh, now I know the joystick. You call my attention to it. At exactly 13.38, just before the credits. That's interesting. I just caught that. So we did a whole zoom in in front of the Shinzo through the mm-hmm. bridge window thing. Mm-hmm. Why is it a window? I'm assuming it's transparent aluminum, right? We can only guess, but yeah. There's, there's no way there's glass because you dumbasses, you put glass on your bridge. <laughs> Between you and space, there's nothing but glass. Anyway, um, so in that final scene of the teaser, before you know the whole bum 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 through a window into the space where the scene is going to be. Have I said that before? I probably have, because I love it. Am I speaking fast? I'm not sure. Don't talk about it. <laughs> I, I'm lost. I was reading one of my notes. So you don't listen to the show either. <laughs> well, I was trying to catch up with... I, we, I, I skipped forward to get to that joystick thing, because it was on the screen just when I was watching it. So this episode is brought to you by the letter T and the letter J. And by the number five, as in five letters in the word Scott. Or is it only four because one's a duplicate? Uh, in other words, our director today is TJ Scott. TJ Scott, that's the guy. I don't know who he is. I'm hoping that one day I'll find out from the mouth of the director whether, do they direct the CGI scenes too? And they're like, here's what I want to see. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, they have, they must do, it's a, there must be a little bit of a director tells the CGI to do because he did, they did the whole zoom in from outside the ship. So like, presumably they would have to green screen everything outside of the bridge, beyond the bridge set, right? Yeah. Do that zoom out and then zoom back in. Mm-hmm. Right? Otherwise you're gonna see like totally like non 24th century, uh, rather 22nd century stuff. Well, and this is another episode where it's 14 minutes in before the credits happen. 
and I like totally forgot that the credits hadn't happened. Yeah. Or that they were coming, you know. When that happens, I, it tells me that I'm in for a good episode. Oh, okay. Apparently there's a lot in here. Although I do have to say that I'm getting a little bit of whiplash from uh, yeah. just the dense outlines. Like there's so much going on. Like there's yeah. no waste. Like in Star Trek The Next Generation, we had moments where like Picard goes to the replicator and slowly orders him to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, they've only got 13 episodes this season. Yeah, because we're doing this. <laughs> we're doing a we're doing a, uh, a zero sum game. So like. By the by, by the time we get to uh, episode uh, rather season fifteen, we're gonna be down to zero episodes. As <laughs> 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 season one was fifteen episodes, and not, and not that I'm like prognosticating the future because spoiler alert, this is recorded during season three of uh, well, <laughs> during, after or Earl, yeah, during for Earl, for Earl Grey, it's during season three. For me, it's far after season three. Uh, season one was fifteen episodes. Season two was fourteen episodes. Season three is thirteen episodes. By following that following that down we've scheduled for 14 seasons right because 14 season 14 will be no only one episode in season 14 <laughs> zero and 15 or did yeah. I or is it one 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 in episode I don't know I don't know man listen, don't, don't listen to me in my backwards <laughs> so um no wait um, listen to me hold on <laughs> please listen to us this is our this is the best show ever and stuff that should be our. That should be our. Um, that should be our tagline. What's that? Let's talk about tracks. It's the best show and stuff. It's the best show and stuff. <laughs> so one of the things I realized is um, Michael was talking to uh, the not Saru Saru. I have the portmanteau for you. The portmanteau for that. So we have Saru, who is the officer on Discovery, right? And then we have the other guy, that's Slave Ru. Well, I, I realized that when, when Saru is asking, are there any other Kelpians? Have you seen any other Kelpians? She's not lying when she says no. She's not. Because the beings that she's encountering are hollow shells of a, of anything. So they're not Kelpians. Uh, in a sense. Uh, but however, like she, if she, if he, if it would be the question that he asked her, has she seen others? She would she, later be like, well, no, I only saw you. <laughs> so I haven't seen any others. Just same room. But then I, I like um, I like Tilly trying to convince uh, Saru to let her take over Stamets' recovery. She's just really laying it on the the captain or the acting captain, and she's also just just kind of foreshadowing and, and demonstrating why Saru will later pick her as the acting uh, XO. I'm glad you saw that too. Because I'm watching this episode, you know, from from obviously the perspective of the 32nd century. So, <laughs> also looking at like, oh, Tilly and Suru have kind of been tight this whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, because I thought it was just like on a freaking lark, and maybe they've yeah. been like a couple of episodes prior to that. But no, like she's she's kind of been like his, she's been his, like almost as confident. Like, okay, so yeah. Burnham and Tilly are two different characters, but they kind of they kind of serve similar roles in a sense um okay um because what am i trying to say so they're like really good friends and they like kind of share things they have like i feel like they maybe have some similar opinions if burnham were not there saru would have picked tilly anyway if tilly were not there he would have picked burn like do you see what i'm saying like they're kind of interchangeable Mm, in that way um 
although they have different interactions with different people like um Samets is kind of not as cool with Burnham as he is with Tilly, but he's also not cool with Tilly really anyway. So maybe Samus was a bad example to go to in <laughs> I mean he's warming up to her. Is he? Okay, so I'm still a little bit at a loss to the relationship between Samets and Culver. Because Culpepper? Like, does he does it seems like it might be a one-way relationship, you know, like, Stam- but but then it's not, like, Stamets def- clearly, like, has concern about Culver when, you know, the thing happens <laughs> last episode, and, like, he's kind of, like, lost without him, he's angry that he's not there, but, like, I don't know, I just don't sense the same depth of compassion for, uh, for uh, Culver from Stamets that Culver clearly has for Stamets. Like, he really looks out for really concerned about you know like when he's in when, when we're doing the 133 jumps to get here you know Colby yeah. barely freaking out like can you get this man out of the tube and nobody else is concerned like nobody else seems yeah. that concerned isn't well from one perspective he's got that de- doctor mentality he's that that personality that does become a doctor that cares about everybody oh and the other guy's an engineer oh wow Earl Grey fixed the thing. <laughs> now I get it. Okay. <laughs> so, I don't know why I didn't connect that before, but that's totally that's yeah. So yeah. I mean, oh wow. Like 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 um. I'm overdoing it a little bit. Like he doesn't have to be that cool. Yeah, but but he is an expert in his field. So like makes- like Bashira said, it, all life is precious, and you know like even like me and my personal life. I take that down to, you know, if I see a creepy crawly on my floor, I carefully pick it up and carry it outside. If I see a creepy crawly on my floor, I'm moving. Oh, y- you know what I mean. Multi-legged. Yeah. No, that's arachnids and insects and... Now, a spider, I won't kill. Because the spiders kill the other bugs. Yeah. Well, spider in the corner all day. As long yeah. as it's not too big. If it's too big, you gotta go. But... Or, or if I start seeing marks on my body from him... Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, like if you if, if I got a spider crawling in bed with me, he's gonna go. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, I'll, I'll still carry it outside. You know no. what I've been wondering? I don't know what you've been wondering. But. So, Stamet, the whole Stamet's eyes, practically, did they, do you think that was a digital effect or do you think they r- relied on contact tax like they usually no. do? Yeah, so it, it reminds me of Jordy's eyes. When we were taking yeah. the prop, but I think it, I do think it's context. I think it's the same context that they used with Jordy LaForge. They well, do you think that they've improved in their context? That they're not quite as uncomfortable as they always say whenever they have to do context in other uh, older movie productions. I'm sure that they haven't, because <laughs> almost every actor who has to wear contacts in their eyes for something complains complains about how the contacts hurt. But you know, the poor guy playing Stamets, he's been in several episodes with those contacts in. Now, he's probably only wearing them for the scenes that he's in, but I, I would have imagined that by now, especially if he had, like, blue eyes, the actor, they could just, you know, d- do it as a digital effect. Well, that would be pretty neat, actually. Yeah. <laughs> just as an aside, yeah. they were talking about uh, how the Empire is and how much of a dominant force they are and how they'll squish anybody that is detestable, any enemies that they have, right? And it made me wonder, you did watch a lot of Enterprise. You're familiar with who the Zindi were? I am. I don't say a lot. Like, 
Like I watched a lot of Enterprise. Like Enterprise is my jam. Well, I do know who this idiot. That's that five, five, uh, five different evolutions of one species, like the avian, yeah. the arachnid. Yeah, got it. And the, the avians were the so, dead. What do you think or happened to the Zindi in the mirror universe? Like, I wonder what's happened to a lot of the species because we only have like, like the th- we have the three mains. Like the three mains are here. I'm sorry, I forgot about humans. The four mains. Uh-huh. Yeah, we've got Klingon, Andorian, Vulcan, right? Yeah. Um, we even got Telar, 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 right? Telar, Ampu, Lemku, and <laughs> and uh, all Telarites, Vulcans, Andorians, all the, yeah, and all humans. The, all the Terrans would have had to do was bomb their fracking planets, right? If they didn't sure. Want, they just bomb their home world. Um, yep. So it makes me wonder what's the difference between a home world they bomb and a home world that they don't bomb. Because there's this coalition of three, Tararampu, mm-hmm. Volcanampu, and Dorianampu, Lampu, if they could have just bombed those three worlds and yeah. been mostly done with it. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why is that? Extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. I did my, that was my original matter. Okay, so let me let me, t- let me link that up a little bit because I sure <laughs> wanted to mention this thing <laughs> because I wanted to mention that CBS missed a prime opportunity. Um, I'm sorry, Amazon Prime is not what I'm talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all these words are going to be taken out of our dictionary. We're not going to be able to talk about anything soon without name dropping some some service or some yeah. company or Prime is now trademarked. <laughs> uh, so the prime opportunity they missed was to sell Starfleet branded uh, lingerie because if Vernon's lace mm. had been the Starfleet deltas, like we had, like you know, like in the uniform, like in the uh, in the Kelvin universe uniform, <laughs> if, like if you zoom in, it's a whole bunch of little tiny Starfleet deltas. If they had done the lace as a whole bunch of little Starfleet deltas, tell me I would have <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, I'd have worn it, but I would. I would. That, that would have been awesome. <laughs> prime opportunity. That they just they screwed up by because they had in the mirror. How do you know they didn't? That's a good, that's a fair point. Maybe they, maybe I mean, they make Starfleet robes. You can buy a, has, uh, yellow and a red and a blue robe. Anybody out there has some Starfleet lingerie? You uh, uh, please take a picture of yourself. It well, hold on. I mean, I don't I don't think I would want Michael Burnham's it, lingerie though because she's wearing some granny panties. Is she? I you know I how dare you? But like I appreciate. Uh, the, every time they do like a next to naked uh, with Burnham, they do it kind of tastefully, and I'm really I yeah. like that. Like I think it's pretty dope. Well, in this in this particular scene, they're the big high briefs, the full briefs instead of the low cut briefs or the uh, string briefs or whatever. How dare you? It's not. I'm just. That's what she was wearing. I know. It's not this my is, fault. This is not, however, the show where we have two female characters sitting. <laughs> Facing each other, touching their feet, touching the bottoms of their feet together, and like, like, gyrating <laughs> on the floor. Like, yeah, I don't like, think I would want me some shiny underwear like that. Man, Marin and Sir just got right up in that gear, and Gates was like, uh-uh, no, 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 I'm not wearing that shit. <laughs> like, you're not gonna put my junk <laughs> on like full public, like everywhere, like on syndicated television. Most of the know. But uh, Gate, listen, Gates. Uh, Thank you for doing that. And Marina, listen, thanks for doing that. Because, uh, yeah. or Marina, is her name Marina? Um, thanks for doing that because, uh, thanks, thanks, yeah. for, thanks for enduring it because we needed our commander, Troy, to exist. So, and, <laughs> and Gates, I got you. I got you. I know what's up. There's a, um, there's a moment 
where Michael Burnham, Michael Burnham, Michael Burnham, Mikey B is giving her uh, her log, uh, which I don't know why she's recording a log because Starfleet computers are like, their firewalls are not that great. You know, like <laughs> you have a, the right command code, you can kind of like get past everything and get into the ship and control the ship from outside. So like, uh, why she's yeah. recording a log while she's in the mirror versus beyond me? Like it's uh. Not the yeah. best idea, uh, but anyway, she's recording this log, and in one moment, she, she says, "Everywhere is fear." Um, mm-hmm. everywhere I turn, there is fear, is what she says. And then, yeah, guess who comes walking in the room? Slave Rue. Who came walking in? Slave Rue. You gotta let me adapt to that first before you <laughs> use it regularly. Yeah, you gotta institute and use those portmanteaus. <laughs> Don't people gonna miss them? Speaking of whom, it's a mirror of a, of a scene when someone says it's not your fault, and then Lorca walks in and, like, speaking of the devil. Yeah, yeah. So Lorca and Michael are talking, and, and, and Michael's like, no, you got we got to just let this happen. Michael is talking back to Lorca and reminding him about we are Starfleet. And my comment was, you can... You can take the girl out of Starfleet, but you can't take the Starfleet out of the girl. That is a factual statement, and that is true <laughs> of all yeah. of our Starfleet folk. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Well, okay, so all of our Starfleet folk up to this point, because apparently at some point when uh, when Mars was attacked by the <laughs> that bash, um, uh, Android programmers. So why? Hang on a second. This is obviously the wrong show, but this has just occurred to me that why if the Jatbash despises androids and like technology that does like intelligence so much mm-hmm. why do they know how to program the androids to do the attack on Mars? like if you don't if you're not into AI, AI and you espouse maybe it, they hired other people to do it so who do they hire <laughs> and who I don't agreed, know and who agreed to reprogram all of the who has the access who has the clearance and the access to do that like who they had to have someone on the inside oh my god it was well i mean i always fi- i always yeah. figured it was I, the uh, androids creating their own uh uprising no 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 no. it was the job did it you didn't know that that's yeah. not how i interpreted it all no, that. that's exactly what it was though the Jatbash program because they didn't want the federation to help right because they didn't because they they didn't believe the they reprogrammed those androids to, so that they so the federation couldn't help I know it doesn't sound like it makes sense. That doesn't make sense. No, it was the androids own uprising. It's confirmed somewhere. Um, no, no, it's not. No, it's not because the androids are being treated like slaves again, and like everybody was data, and it's like they that a measure of a man never happened. Why did they kill themselves then? Why did they re- revolt and to be a martyr? No, for who? There's no. Uh, there's nobody else for them to be martyrs for. It's just those androids, and they're not even. To, for other species to rise up, you know, to say, hey, this wasn't right what you guys did. Mm, uh, okay. We're on the wrong show, but I'm gonna, I'm okay, gonna say, yeah, for, the moment, for the moment, we shall agree to disagree until one of us fix the thing on a different show. <laughs> so, uh, Tilly and Saru are, are discovering that Stamets' brain is connected to alternate universes, and they're thinking that oh we could could we use this some way and i'm thinking star trek sliders they're, they're talking about how the mycelial network can be connected through even not just our universe but multiple mirror universes or alternate universes so what so what, so what we're talking about is not star trek sliders but um star trek quantum leap which we've done oh well because we haven't done, no yeah, we have. I saw. I saw. I saw him. 
They're not talking about the show. That's not what they're talking about, though. No, no, I bet you, but like, (laughs) so like, he's like, so like, okay, so here's the thing about Quantum Leap that they don't tell you. Every time Sam jumps back, he creates an alternate universe because he does things differently, which which creates a different outcome. So what he's actually doing is jumping across realities. (laughs) So this is the same thing. The way he's doing it, the way that Sam Beckett was doing it, was he's jumping through the spore spore network. universe and through time and then he would change that universe and then he would jump back to this spur. you never saw him flip and spin and go and go into this no i guess you, you gotta get hd and you can see the spin as he's jumping, as he's jumping through the game i mean they haven't upgraded to hd yet but once, when they upgrade to hd you'll see the spin flip it'll happen his whole body just flip, flips and turns and then the very final episode he jumps into no, the future. I don't know if you remember that, but the very final episode, they were like, we don't know where he's gone. We think he went to the future. And then he shows up on Enterprise. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I don't know if no, you he, I, I, I intentionally, when uh, Hulu had it, did Hulu have it or did was it Netflix? I don't know, man. Anyway, whoever had uh, um, Quantum Leap, um, Quantum Leap, thank you. Um, they, uh, I, I intentionally, because they, they were getting rid of it shortly so I okay so I've never seen the pilot so I went and watched the pilot then I went and watched the very last episode uh-huh. and he jumps back into his own past cause uh-huh. just like in the, he loops uh-huh. back to the pilot uh-huh. and he jumps back into that scene where he's the you know the baseball player uh-huh. and makes and he that's where he just leaves so he kind of got back home but he didn't he just gets a, a second chance to, oh, I, I could have sworn that he right. jumped back into uh, they jumped so far that they couldn't find him they didn't know where he was well, how far would I, that have to be? I, I don't know. Maybe the 21st and 22nd century? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that might have been a headcanon episode that I created over these years. I, maybe, because the, the pilot opens up in the 24th century, so. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. I'm so... I let's let's do... Uh, let's not do a show. Leave like. a comment down below. Where, where did... Fans of Quantum Leap in the pilot, what year are they in? Wow, that's super interesting, guys. I can't wait to hear <laughs> Long answers only, please. We've been recording for 47 years so far this episode. So, guys, I want to make sure that you don't like, pee in your pants. So, uh, why don't we take a commercial break and we'll be right back after these messages. So, I think we're back around. Yeah, I think we are. Let's because I miss them more. Huh? I wish I wish they they had been with me on the break. Why? I don't because I, I just miss them so bad. You miss well, them. Hi guys, glad you're here. Welcome back to my to my um the closet. I mean wait <laughs> no I mean welcome back. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean welcome back to Ten Forward here on the in the abandoned Ten Forward module of the section of the Enterprise here here on Viridian Three, not to be confused with the Viridian Nebula. But Viridian Dream. <laughs> not to be confused with the starship Viridian, which is owned by the Emerald Chain far in the future. Or at present. I don't know. You know what? Which what certainly could have been named after the planet. Yes. The Viridian, the, the Orion's, the, uh, rather, the Emerald Chain named their uh, flagship after the same place where the Federation's flagship crashed. Hundreds of thousands of years ago. Well, hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of years ago. Hundreds of years ago. There's a thing actually that happens. Uh, I don't know if it happens in Sickbay, but it's uh, 
It's a part where Jack Dorino breaks a thing. Where <laughs> thanks. Where um, where Mikey B's talking to again at uh, Saru, and they're talking about uh, getting people to pass or whatever, and it oh. makes me think of like the uh, mirror universe as like uh, it's like a mirror for like for like uh, what we're calling these days, I guess, like black culture and white culture, um, because I- I'm very familiar with the idea of code switching because like when I lived in Southeast DC. I was nowhere near, well, not, no, I shouldn't say nowhere near, but I was not the same person at work where I lived, you know, where I worked at, you know, a, a, a clinic in yeah. West that serviced largely people who lived in Georgetown and Glover Park, um, which are like, you know, uh, wealthier areas of Washington, D.C. I couldn't be that guy when I came home and I would mm-hmm. cover up my suit tie and, you know, maybe adopt a slightly different walk because, you mm-hmm. know, I didn't want to get robbed. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I, I could take my coat off and, you know, walk, walk un, unfettered in, in Northwest and not have a problem. Um, but both things required a, a code switch. And this is what this is what we're talking about when we go into the mirror universe. Like, sure. the eye on the, <laughs> that they had to paint on the outside of the hull of the Discovery is like my trench coat that I had to put over my suit <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm walking home. Um, yeah. and, you know the, the uniforms are it's similar change, so they have to change their uniforms. They have to change. What the heck? What the heck? Hell! Heck! Hell! Hell! Hold your horses! It's sort of the same thing as like you know I had to I had to speak differently when I went home uh, than I did at work, and I had to speak differently at work than I did when I was at home. Like you can't do public speaking if you have a mouthful of marbles, which is kind of like or what? if you have if you're speaking ghetto. Wow. Um, I'm sorry. Was that insensitive? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe because I said "well," because like it was a, a reaction, sort of like, like it doesn't bother me, but it could bother someone. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call it Ebonics because Ebonics is a ridiculous, um, a ridiculous creation of someone who I'm sure is Caucasian. Um, <laughs> because it's not there's, there's not the thing that it, 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 what they're calling Ebonics is that like there's not, there's not a, a uniform style or uniform pattern. Um, okay. Across um, regional cultures, right? So, like, I don't you um, you don't speak the same Floridian. Floridian black culture does not have the same accent as Georgia black culture, which does not have the same okay. accent as Louisiana black culture, which doesn't have the same accent as sure that makes sense. Virginia or have the same accent as New York. You know, like <laughs> sometimes uh, my cousin <laughs> when he's on, uh, he's playing uh, play Grand Theft Auto. Right? You know, as a lark, he'll get on and you know start talking to them. And tell him where he's from in DC and blah blah blah. And I'm like, but he's putting on the wrong accent. Like he's putting on a New he's putting on a New York black accent, and instead of the the DC accent, he's using like all wrong terms and stuff. You know, so it's like it's very, it's not it's, a, it's not a one to one change. Is what I'm saying. Sure. So speaking ghetto means something different from state to state. Oh, okay. And and the ghetto is something different from state to state. Like if you go to Georgia, the ghetto is you like dirt roads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a lot of places, you know, you know, not not in inner city, so to speak. But uh, uh, yeah. So there's a. We're about to go to Harlem. What about, really so what, about. what did you think of the uh, outfit that Stamets was wearing in in Sick Bay? Uh, it was. Did you notice that it was exactly? It was just like the uh, the outfit that the prisoners were wearing. <laughs> they got beamed oh, up yeah? in the very beginning. I, I don't know if I noticed that. I mean, I noticed that he had all these straps on, but 
and somehow they weren't connected to the bed but you know it seems i mean there's a lot of parallel technologies maybe those straps were there so that they wouldn't struggle to get away off the transporter so maybe it's the equivalent technology that just you being used in a bastardized form but just do like your general restraint i guess yeah what what would be you know our modern day um medical restraints for somebody who's in a hospital bed but is suicidal oh sure yeah absolutely um so uh yeah, so one last thing I wanted to mention, because they, they did two scenes <laughs> they did two scenes with Mikey B and Saru, like one after the other. And one was of course one before the one that made me think about closer code switching was um, was the one where Saru has to what, I'm sorry, Slave Room actually has to has to come from behind Mikey B and hug her. In order to put her belt on. I'm like, oh but it's totally not a hug. Like for him it's totally like but is it a hug for him? Because like I get the sense <laughs> ever since the moment she called Slave Room Saru and he was like, yeah. what? <laughs> that like, he kind of like something like, like switched or broke inside of him where he's like, oh, this is, this is, it. This is like, I should revere this person not because I have to, but like, I Or just kind of beat them into submission and yeah, we'll talk later about how well that works. I've been really excited for this moment because I, ever since the moment that I knew that we were going to the mirror universe, I was like, what if we find, what if we see the other Vogue? Wouldn't that be neat? Uh-huh. So, uh, th- before we get to Vogue, because they haven't gotten to the Vogue yet, they've just been down to the planet. Do you, <laughs> does, does that look like Scarrow to you? That is Scarrow. That's totally it is? Yeah, that's totally planet Scarrow. <laughs> so, uh, what would that fall under on uh, our, our, our bingo game? Oh, wow. I think that puts, doesn't that fall under Doctor Who? Yeah. <laughs> as long as you know. I was I was doing that for, for our audience that may not know any Who references. Well, if they don't know Doctor Who, they <laughs> listen to this show. Yeah. Because you got to have to know. No, we don't. Yeah, we don't get into too deep into Doctor Who. But yeah, and just another rock quarry doubling as uh, Alien Planet. Not not to mention that's also the planet where they get all their uh, wall stuffing for. They actually came to this planet to get the rocks that the people are putting in the ceiling at the beginning of the episode. And it does so happen, they're like, hey, while we're here, we might as well go down. (laughs) Well, and I, I, I forgot for a moment that the season three is in you know, far into the future, but I thought it would be really cool if the uh, Andorian uh, from the future was the same Andorian that was we, we see here on the planet, yeah. but then it couldn't possibly be. Wouldn't that be funny? Yeah. Guys, it's the same guy. The same guy yeah. plays every Andorian in this show. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like this guy, and they're like, oh, you make a perfect Andorian. Let's just... Uh, I mean, like like Nurse Jenny or, or uh, Officer Joy going to shrink the Andorian gene pool enough so that like generations and generations and generations down, all the Andorians are going to look exactly the same. That's racist. Yeah, and why not just have this one? You know what? They have a limit. They do have a limited gene pool. A problem that was solved uh, during a Deep Space Nine novel, but... They do I mean, have a limited gene pool? Check it out. Like, if you if you, if you have um, a shell strength of four and they yield one baby, then that means your population is constantly dwindling. 
Well, I mean, the show has never indicated that it takes more than yeah, one you know member, or more than two people to reproduce. You know what? Um, it has actually. Uh, so during you time, Nog mentioned the four-way sex. I'm gonna canonize. I'm gonna say that canonizes the entire idea of a shell trap and the arranged marriages. And okay. The, the, I mean, there is an Enterprise episode where there is a race that t- takes a third in order to reproduce, but it's not the Andorians. Oh, I... But Trip thinks that uh, they're tre- treating that member of the third gender as like a slave race, so he's trying to free them and, and like, teach them things and break their laws and break into their culture. Oh, wait, I... I this could possibly be the one where he becomes pregnant, is it? No. No, it's not the same one. That's com- something completely different. And that is, is that that's the name of the episode? And now there's something completely different. <laughs> the, um... <laughs> Which, if you guys are paying attention, is a Monty Python reference. So go ahead and mark off Monty Python on your big card. That was a good catch. <laughs> um, the Enterprise did do its, its job. It's in trying to bring up the social issues of the day, and I underscore trying. Um, they did a, they did a, what was ostensibly to be an HIV uh, reference. That was not okay. <laughs> oh, you didn't. Th- oh, okay. It's not okay. Like, I'm sorry. They they didn't make it. They made it. They made it. Uh, they made it more of an affliction than uh, they made it like a mental. I don't know. It became like a thing where like there's still like a lot of the thing. Okay, so we don't want any any in the field of Brian White here, which is you know HIV. Oh, Brian White. Who is that? Brian White was a, uh, a young kid. I think it was maybe like 13 or so when he was diagnosed with HIV. He didn't get it through sexual means. He got it through a blood transfusion. Um, oh, okay. He's kind of the kid that proved that it wasn't just gay cancer. Well, he's the one that proved it to everybody. Like, everybody knew that. Like, yeah. everybody knew. Like, the scientific and the medical community knew that. They called it, even when they were calling it GRID, they knew that it was, like, gay-related, which is why they called it It was a gay-related infectious disease. That's why they called it GRID. Um, huh. They they knew it was gay related, but they didn't. You don't want to stigmatize things. You don't want to you don't want to tell people yeah. their fault that they got something. Even though I'm fully aware of when this happened, I think and 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 what I could have done for, to prevent it had I been more cautious. But yeah, so the episode the Enterprise did was okay for its time, but for okay. now, they they better not do that episode now <laughs> because they would mm. have the wrong the wrong stances on the issue in my humble opinion, which is an expert opinion. Speaking speaking of Enterprise and, and, you know, the Rick Berman era, has Rick Berman given an opinion on these new shows? I don't care. Or any of the old uh, production crew? Yeah, so I haven't heard anybody really say anything in particular about it. Those who were involved, of course, wouldn't say anything about it. And, you know, like, it would be bad form to say anything negative about it anyway. Like, they take the reins, and if they do well, be proud of them. If they don't do well, yeah. They, oh, that's too. It's too bad. I wish. You, I wish it had been better for you. You know. Well, but it'd be big, big uh, news if, like, say, Rick Berman gave his seal of approval or something. We don't need Rick Berman's seal of approval. We've got Rod Roddenberry. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. They grandfathered themselves themselves in. Or, uh, uh what's this? Ira Stephen Wolf or Ira Stephen. Uh, well, oh, this is funny as shit. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you call it Iris Stephen Wolf. You make the animal, but you didn't give the right animal. At least, well, there is, a, there is a guy that it was on the production team that was also named Wolf. Yeah, yeah, there is. I couldn't remember who it was. But, I mean, oh, speaking yeah. of Ira Bear, um, I love his blue 
goatee going on. And so here's the only thing. So when they did the what you what you what we left behind. Yeah. Which is the amazing documentary about Deep Space Nine and features yeah. a, a little snippet of Deep Space of the first episode of like Deep Space Nine season eight. It was crowdfunded and it's all done. You can buy a DVD of it. It's oh really? Yeah. When they when they, they made they, season eight episode uh, one. No, 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 I'm just talking about the what we left behind. They did that. Oh yeah, that's a pretty good. Yeah, that doc, yeah. Okay. So, I'm just really excited for a second though, didn't I? Yeah, because they talked about it. They talked about like eighteen episodes for that whole it's season. Good. So like that would be dope, but like eh, probably don't happen if they have if they have any, any expectations of getting Cisco back. It's probably not gonna happen. When they did the theater release of What We Left Behind, mm-hmm. uh, they gave out posters. I didn't get my poster, um, but a lot of people did get their posters. Uh, so what I did is I went online and I found the picture that the poster is. And I printed out this like big poster that's like bigger than the one they would have given me. And I was gonna put it up on my wall, and I realized I don't want a giant picture of Iris Steve because it's basically a big old picture of Iris Steve Bear in the stage. Yeah, and it's a cool composition, but I don't want a picture of like some this big picture of like, this big giant bear of this white guy with blue hair like on my wall. Like, I don't want it. Like it's just seems preferable <laughs> when I have company over to have to explain them every time because like I have my model of Deep Space Nine up at the corner and it's lit, so like I'm good. I'm pleased with the way it is, and I'm okay. More work on it, and I don't know. I'm, I'm very happy with it. It's very it sits up in like the corner of my room. I put in. I made. A, I built a, spe- a special shelf that looks built in with this model on, and it looks great. Anyway, I just want to brag about my model for a second. I haven't gotten the chance to brag about my new space nine model yet, but I'm good with. I guess I'm good with the model being there. I would like to put yeah. what you look behind, but I don't want. I want a picture of like some random white guy with blue hair. <laughs> it's not random. You know who he is. I, I, I do, but no, and just because just because your guests don't know who he is, yeah, mean... it, just, it just feels weird, you know. Like when you walk into a black person's house, you don't want to picture a white Jesus on the wall. And this is like There's this. Be plenty like, of like black for me, people that do have white Jesus. I on know, the wall. but I'm not plenty of black people. I'm me. <laughs> and I mean, I would put. I mean, G- Jesus was Jewish, and the Jewish people today are not Caucasian. Bleach, bleach white skin, and and they were Caucasian then either. I mean, at least they didn't. At least Michelangelo didn't give uh, Jesus blonde hair. I mean, how bad would that have been? I mean, it, like, he gave angels blonde. We gave angels human aspects. Number one, that's. I guess that's from the start. Well, uh, I mean, we all know that angels are really ancient aliens. Mind those. When you read the description of what an angel looks like, it is fracking terrifying. Like angels, Nephilim, Seraphim. They're all terrifying. Like, to be around them would be, like, mind-blowing. Like, that's the thing about it. You can't see <laughs> God, because like, you face God's driving nuts. Cause it, so I'm thinking, like, if the angels and the seraphim and the Nephilim are all, like, these horrible, disgusting creatures that are, like, amazing, uh, deep, uh, divine things, then <laughs> the most divine thing must be, like, hideously horrifying. No offense, okay. God. Hey, let's go. <laughs> get back to Star Trek. Yeah, get, uh, get away from this lightning bolt that's about to strike me, and uh, maybe deep down Harlack. <laughs> Oh, so, um, is is uh, Tyler's trigger word K- the, the the name Kalis? Well, I don't know what it is, but like to me, the, the, he gets triggered like a couple of times during the next few minutes, right? So he gets triggered mm-hmm. when he sees when he sees Firewolf, and Firewolf is talking, and he's like thinking he's looking in a mirror. It's like he's looking in a mirror because he's looking in a mirror, right? He, like, he's looking. He thinks he's Tyler, but he is Vulcan. Vulcan side, the Vulcan side, the wolf inside, the Vulcan side. Looking at oh that's weird oh the wolf it's oh I get it now oh they just fixed the thing um 
So the Vulcan I, side. I kind of knew that already. I didn't. I didn't catch that before. The Vulcan side. So the Vulcan and, and Fire Wolf, like same, same, same. The Vulcan side, the Wolf inside, same thing. So anyway, it, the Vulcan side is looking at the Vulk outside, sure. and like seeing him, seeing himself in the mirror, and maybe it's then that he feels like he's safe and he can come out. Uh oh. Um, Kalos is definitely a central concept to the whole thing. Like. Um, yeah. Also, a central concept to the whole thing is apparently the relationship with, with Lorel, whatever that relationship is. Yeah. Because he really, he literally gave him. He gave first. He gave himself fully to, to Kuvma, and then he gave himself. He would not give himself to Cole because Cole is a fucking putz, and he gave himself fully, however, to. Uh, Why not Cole? Because Cole's a fucking thief. He's a fucking bad Oh, that's okay. Like, like a, it's just he's a pirate. Like, okay. Well, yeah, but Klingons honor pirates. They like pirates. Yeah. Not in the age of Kalos. Oh. Like, when we fall under, we, when we go back to falling under, you know, the the the, the one creed. <laughs> Klingon Machtajaj. <laughs> We're not savages anymore. Now we have a purpose, and we have a clarity of that purpose, and we have a civilization, not just. A, a, a reckless gang of thieves. Okay, so here's the thing about Shazad Latif. So Shazad Latif is the gentleman who's playing Ash Tyler. He is yeah. also the gentleman who's playing Volk. However, it is my firm belief that at different moments of this scene, they're switching out uh, Shazad Latif's Volk for a different Volk because their faces are different. There's a wideness to Volk's face that it doesn't exist in Shazad Latif's face sometimes. But sometimes, there is the same narrowness, like of of his face, that is mm-hmm. in Ash Tyler and is just well. Well, I mean, since they're putting the stunt double in the makeup and you can't really see who it is, the, and obviously there's the they can't record all these complex scenes yeah. Yeah, yeah. all twice. Exactly. So that's the thing I'm getting at. Like sometimes, sometimes during, like during the scene they change actors. It's real weird, and like because you can see his like I, I can see it in his face. I could see, I could see when he is being played by Shazam the Thief, and I can see when he's being played by this guy who has a whiter face. Their made the, their makeup makes them look similar, but it does not make them look identical. Okay. And I can, I can see when we flip back and forth between the two people after, after, um, after uh, Will has Tyler on the ground, and he's basically like under submission. The guy who pl- plays him from there on out is Shazam the Thief, but at various points during the conversation previous. It's not Shazad Latif, and it's some other guy who has a whiter face. Shazad Latif has like a, like a narrow sort of head, and this other guy is like wider because he's a stunt double, right? So he's like thicker, like because that's what they do. Um, yep. But seeing him play both is really compelling. I spent time watching him as Volk, and and have trouble seeing Ash in there. Mm-hmm. And I realized that's when I realized, oh, sometimes it's not Ash Tyler in there. Sometimes it's a different person in there. Okay. <laughs> it's funny that the way they have Shazad Latif in makeup to play Volk yeah. is like a mirror to what happened in the story because what happened in the story <laughs> crunched, uh, they crunched the Klingon down and stuck them inside the human and what they've done in reality is they take the human down and put it inside the Klingon <laughs> <laughs> yeah because of the makeup yeah this portion of the episode at about uh, 2716 uh, is where the episode broke down for me I was totally like what? wait and I was kind of just lost for the rest of the season after this. This is where, like I've talked about before, 
They're not speaking. This is where they're not. They're mimicking the words, but they're not using. They're not walking the walk. They're, they're just talking the talk. Previously, I, I previously I, I sort of agreed with you, but I think that I'm going to push back on that. I'm going to say we don't see enough of regular Starfleet action to make a determination. Like we've gone to the mirror universe, we have to behave differently, and then when we yeah. get back, we aren't there long enough. Well, but right. there's nothing of. Tyler and Voke that's not the mirror universe or that's that that I mean he's just being Voke he doesn't care if it's the mirror universe he's being himself he's not acting like he's in the mirror mirror universe and acting like a mirror oh, universe Tyler. Yeah, this, is, this is Tyler he's, Tyler's a different breed altogether like yeah entirely he, like literally he's a, he's, a freak. <laughs> like, he's not he's a, he's he has PTSD like we didn't see PD, PTSD on uh, Star Trek Exploration, except for one episode, and that was like, so Picard. Okay, so, so Picard gets kidnapped by an alien species. He gets subjugated to their will, and he's made to kill hundreds of thousands, hundreds of people across the Federation. Blow up several ships, give up trade secrets, and tell like secrets about the Federation, and let them know that you know this is when we develop warp flight, so you can come back in a few years, and then try to stop us from doing it in the first place. So time travel, right? But like, all he has to do. He's like one episode later. He goes home and he like hangs up with his brother and they and they like tussle in a corn in a in a in a, in a vineyard mud puddle. Yeah, in, in some mud. They roll around some mud and they get oh, they get all mad at each other. And they start laughing and then like that's it. And he has no yeah. idea about it. It's like wow. until Star Trek First Contact. Oh, that's the movie. Well, a- actually, every once in a while, when they encounter the Borg again, sometimes Troy has to corner him and say, "Hey, you know, are you having?" Uh, some issues with the board because of your experience with uh, Locutus. So that's that's fair. Like that's fair. Like I I just feel like we could have explored that a little more and had or that a little more. Maybe what you're saying now wouldn't have as much. You wouldn't feel as much because you would have explored what PTSD looks, PTSD looks like in Starfleet. But we we also know now that this isn't quite PTSD. This is more like me- emerging actual memories. This is. Uh, Manchurian candidate. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I do feel like they handled him with the grace of Starfleet. Okay. And I feel like, and then, okay, so I, I will, I'll cop to another thing. So this board drive, that's not Starfleet. That's not Starfleet. It's not Starfleet because of the human air experimentation aspect of it. Um, so mm-hmm. that's why it's the only singular ship, and that's why we also had to get it out of our regular timeline so that we could move to a Starfleet, <laughs> not Picard's Starfleet, because Picard's Starfleet is mm. and perfect and beautiful and like Starfleet in the 32nd century is not the same Starfleet and I'm hoping mm. that we build a Starfleet that's somewhere near that somewhere mirrors or somewhere echoes or has echoes of our 24th century Starfleet where I grew right. up yeah I mean but you gotta remember at this point it's a 23rd century Star- Starfleet sure. and Starfleet was created in the twenty third, the twenty third century Starfleet was a nineteen sixties shiny Starfleet, which wasn't as shiny as a nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties Starfleet. Sure, hundred percent, hundred percent. But I, I do feel that they're they're doing Starfleet for them, for them and their time. Like if it's in their time, Starfleet okay. for our time, my friend, is a fantasy reality. <laughs> Yes, we grew up there, and yes, we know it's real. And it's real. Like, <laughs> like even Deep Space Nine is a little too perfect. Now there are moments. There's a lot of moments of Deep Space Nine where we where we get 
you know, some off the off the perfect scale. Yeah. In the pale moonlight. I was just thinking of that. I think that's everybody that references that episode when they talk about the. But yeah, that's the most obvious one. Um, there, I mean, and then there's like some messy stuff. Like there's so there is some messy. Stuff. Like when Tom Riker comes, back, like Tom Riker couldn't come back to the next generation because it, it, it would like some shit would have gone down. They you can't have happen on next generation. Like that <laughs> has to happen on Deep Space Nine. That's why Tom Riker has to go there because like Tom Riker has to be like perfect. You know, like. Well, and the next generation was just too episodic that they they finished with Tom Riker and that was it and they moved on and yeah because like we can't change anything like Law should have never died because that would have been an interesting change we shouldn't have ignored Alexander because sending him him sending him to live with your Russian parents who like said they're too old to raise a child they just told you they're too old and you're gonna send him in like it's ridiculous so they should have kept Alexander they should have kept Ale- uh, they should have kept um who, who did I just say Lyle Wesley Crusher should have like become a Q and we should have seen him again. <laughs> And like Rolaren should have moved on to Deep Space Nine. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a greater depth of, of of the story and of the character. Well, I mean, they wanted the actress that played Rolaren to pick up her role again, and they uh, wanted th- they offered it to her first. I do have to bow to Nana Visitor because she did an outstanding job in that role. Yeah. Yes. I mean, she was. I do think that having Michelle Forbes there. We could have done a little bit more exploration. I think she would have been a little more comfortable, razor notwithstanding. I think she would have been a little bit more comfortable with playing a lesbian, and that way the mirror universe stuff would have been really interesting. Because mm. because when when the mirror universe her, uh, uh, Kira saw herself, she was like super turned on. So I imagine if except I mean certainly mirror universe Kira Norris is not. A lesbian, she's just bisexual. Well, sort. So I think that she's more pansexual. Okay. Yeah. The entire universe. I think the entire uh, the um the emperor mentions at one point that that uh, uh in her universe Stamets is uh, bisexual or that her his husband is bisexual. But I think that in the universe, really, everyone's probably pansexual. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think that. I don't think that there's those kinds of restrictions on people somehow. I don't think there's like a cultural... In, in in the mirror universe, they didn't grow up with Mosaic Law. I'm sorry, explain that. So Mosaic Law, the the book of Leviticus was written by Moses. Oh, okay, okay. I, I got you now. Like Le- Leviticus is... So my, 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 brother, my brother lived and breathed Leviticus. And Leviticus definitely said a man shouldn't lay with another man. Mm-hmm. Among many other things it said that are ridiculous. Yeah. All that stuff is incorrect. Like, I can't... Yeah. There are things that are not choices, and there are things that are choices. And in yeah. the past, people were forced to make the choice to conform to society or yeah. not have a life, period. Yeah. Which is... Or just be monks. Terrible, but it did continue the species till now, and it, it, it gave rise for me. And it's, <laughs> it's, my, it's, the, it's the root of my understanding that all of these generations of humans and non-humans, but like pre-humans, proto-humans... Yeah. Uh, created all of these uh, offspring they created this offspring and then this person begat that that person this person begat that person in order to create me so I could make this show for you (laughs) the only reason everybody else existed is because for my selfish being because clearly like I don't have any progeny so clearly it must have all been for me because I am the end of the line how do you know Uh, well currently currently this is the state of things if things change I'll let you know but currently there are no offspring. I mean, 
so it, it must have all been to, to make me. Hmm. <laughs> so you're the peak and pinnacle of all creation. Yes, I am the perfect. No, not all creation. Just my ancestors. And you're the. Perfect. Oh, okay. Like your ancestors were there to give rise eventually to you, just like you, dear listener. Your entire family line, all the way back. You know, like your mother and father, and their their parents, and then their parents, and then their parents. All of them existed. Or you, so you could be you. Yeah, but then what about your future ancestors My going forward? Or was I, did I only exist, you I, know, so I, that my ancestor could exist? What do you, if, if, once you have offspring, yes. Once you have offspring, there is no, well, that, that is your, that is your purpose now. Isn't I that, mean, like without me, my my sister wouldn't have existed, and my sister wouldn't have been younger, and my sister wouldn't have um, had something to overachieve to not be like, huh. and my sister wouldn't have, you know, ended up, um, you know, there are certain things that I influenced in my sister's life that contributed to the creation of my niece, huh. and subsequently my nephews. Huh. Well, that's that's super. Now, my sister doesn't pass along our, you know, she doesn't pass along the gray name, but she certainly, huh? Oh, the gray name. Oh, the, the gray name. Sorry, I forgot. I forgot that you and my mother have the same last name. <laughs> <laughs> Just coincidentally. I forgot what, you know, completely coincidental. Of of your real name and my mother's name. Your real actual factual name for Gray. Yeah. Happen to be the same. Are you crunching on a cracker? What? I know or something hard. Fun. Oh, you mean oh. No, I was I was juggling my my ice in my cup and then drinking oh, beer okay. that accompanies it currently because I drank the, the entire cup already. Well and I'm hoping that you remember to distinguish our, our soundtracks. Yeah, man. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's a permanent setting. Because uh, from my ear perspective, every time I talk and we're talking at the same time, your voice drones way the quieter. Oh, okay. She's other teeth playing this guy. Playing, I, I like him playing Caleb, playing uh, Bulk more than I like him playing Ash Tyler, I gotta tell you. Because he gets like real, like, he doesn't care. Like, he's clearly not Ash Tyler anymore. He's definitely playing on any human body. He's like, oh, me, I don't give a fuck. Fuck you, whatever. Kalos is the man. Kalos is the way to go. Fuck you. Fuck everything except for this. It's for me and now and everything that matters. You know, like even when he's on the transport pad about to be beamed into space, he's like fully clean on without yeah. fear. And uh, he does it a couple times. He does it when he does it uh, down on the planet when he's switching when he's about to switch over to Volk. And he does mm -hmm. it again when they get back to the ship and he's about to switch fully over to Volk because mm -hmm. he's waking up. Ever since he saw himself in the mirror. Yeah. Through Ash eyes, he started waking up, and mm -hmm. he's probably wakes up, and he does this thing, right? Shazad Latif does this thing. He leans his head back and one side, and it's like, is he? Is there some weird like misconnect that's happening? And like, <laughs> moves his head, which is like the connect his brainstem, right? So that's the connection between like there's some connective stuff happening right there, right? Because it's his brain and his body. Like, Volk is connected mm -hmm. to the body. Tyler's connected to the body. So clearly, there's like some brain-body connections, like. Is there some sort of thing where like he leans he leans his head back and like turns sort of one side and like helps to flick that switch? Because like, <laughs> like, 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 he does do that a lot. He's like, no, I am woke, and he like <laughs> he does like the whole voice thing like 
Okay. Yeah. He, 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 he throws away that, that fourth wall, right? Because he lets us see, oh, there is like sort of like in your voice, in your throat way of talking when you're a Klingon, right? Because well, you've got those teeth in. That's that. But like, I think because of that, they've had to, all across the years, like push their voices a little bit further to get past them, which is why Michael Dorn does not with his teeth. Because Michael Dorn does what? It's not with those teeth. Oh. He has he has regular Klingon ears. I mean, he has regular human ears. He has regular human teeth, and he has regular human hands. Um, because it would be ridiculous to ask this man to wear all his stuff for seven years. They decided against that um, in uh, in with Saru, though. However, Saru, okay. they were like, "I mean, we're gonna put everything on you." Like, you know, <laughs> as a matter of fact, dude, we'll put you in heels as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to back up for a second there, though. Imagine Michael Dorn walking around in some heels. Well, not only that, but heels that don't support weight—you have to put everything on your uh, the balls of your feet. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, they—I mean, they're—they're they're making the actor be totally digigrade by putting him in those shoes. Hopefully, those shoes kind of redirect some of the weight a little bit. But. You know, I—the I, way he's standing, the way he does that—he like he kind of leans back. It's like he's balancing himself. So mm, okay. I don't. I don't think that there's any support in those heels. I think he can <laughs> himself entirely on his like toe. You know, during the scenes when he has to wear them. There's, there's a lot of scenes that he doesn't need to wear those those hoof boots. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely no well, in them because there is no there's no heel to them. It's it's all toe, <laughs> right? Like once yeah. you put the shoes on, you can only stand on your tiptoes. You can't yeah. eat down. If you put your feet down, your toes are sticking up. And then you're gonna leave <laughs> fall down your back. It's ridiculous. Well, that reminds me of um who uh, who played uh, Samwise Gamgee in uh, the Lord of the Rings? Um, Every time he had to wear those Hobbit feet, he hated it, and he hated it so much he would count the days that he actually had to wear the feet, and they never shot film of his feet. Oh, and it makes me wonder if the actor that plays Saru is is kind of doing the same thing, like times that he has to wear those shoes and they're not they don't ever shoot his feet that's interesting <laughs> they they're probably very careful about it they probably know exactly when they're gonna show his feet and when to not show his feet when when to give him gloves and when to actually glue prosthetics to his hand yeah yeah like when he does he does the whole like uh cleaning michael burnham is is it's fracking like he's washing michael burnham and you get like the full Saru as a hand model, like. <laughs> so, did you notice the um, back when the uh, the rebels were giving Mike? They finally figured out that Michael is has nothing to do with what Tyler is doing, and Sarek keeps on backing her up and and saying, you know, this woman is different. And the the one rebel goes over and gets the uh, data pyramid. It's another Jedi hologram. Yeah, yeah, totally. They 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 do love their Jedi uh, technology here in the mirror universe. While we're while we're in the mirror universe, yeah. what say we don't give ourselves away, um, and we we just say you know wear you know mirror universe uniforms all the time. That way, if someone like randomly boards the ship that we're not expecting, or like you know. Oh yeah, so, yeah, so like, you're saying when Tilly is in engineering and she's yeah. not wearing her Michael Jackson costume. But no, was she? I uh, I don't know if she is. I don't remember whether she is the the whole time. But I do know that Saru is not wearing a mirror universe uniform. I mean, it makes sense for him not to because well, that's because he doesn't exist in that timeline. So he doesn't he doesn't have a uniform. We get into, it would be assumed he was a slave, and he would get in trouble for not wearing slave gear, right? But like, 
everybody on the ship is not wearing, they're not all wearing, like the only, the only place they're wearing mirror, mirror universe outfits is on the bridge. Now who's to say that a calm, a, a holocrom from Star Wars might pop up anywhere on the ship, right? So like yeah. wearing wearing your regular uniform, it's like a dead giveaway. Like if they <laughs> pop on the ship by, you know, just just they're used to like say they say they're say they're married to somebody on the ship or they like you're in a relationship with somebody on the ship and they just like pop in just to be like, hey, what's up? And they see you in a prime uniform, they're definitely <laughs> telling on you because people in the universe, people in the mirror universe are definitely telling on you for everything. Like their little tattletales. You're, certainly, you're definitely gonna get told on. Either that or killed. Like. <laughs> So yeah. how much you wear the regular uniforms? I gotta tell you that I do remember now. Tilly is wearing. No, Tilly's not wearing regular. Look, because when when um, when Stamets ostensibly dies, um, mm-hmm. Tilly starts crying, and I do remember that she has that hair. And while she has that hair, she has that uniform. Right? There's so many times in the show where like someone's crying, and I'm like, uh, I'm not quite feeling that. Like back in the day when we were in the 24th century, I used to be crying like. A, at like random times, like all the time, and I'd be yeah. like, "Why oh, are the people in the screen re- like reacting this hard?" Like when Tasha Yar died, not <laughs> a tear drops. No one dropped a tear, yeah. Yeah. except for me. Like I was in, I was bawling, and I never <laughs> watching the show again. <laughs> but now it's like, I guess maybe maybe Tasha Yar, maybe starting with Tasha Yar, they Star Trek was working on me, and they were like hardening me up because, like today, if Tasha Yar died, I don't think I'd cry. Mm-hmm. Like, let's see, who's the Tasha Yar of the show? The Tasha Yar of the show, oh, the Tasha Yar of the show hasn't been introduced yet. The Tasha Yar of the show comes in season three. I think that's a dear Well, I mean, certainly there's been characters that haven't actually died. You know, they kept, kept on bringing back uh, Denise Crosby. Yeah, well, so, and here's the thing, man, like, in my head, they had, they, just like they had kept, see, like, Jory and Tasha, could have had like a kinship, like especially since we saw them in the naked now, and like mm-hmm. how so it transferred in the first place, right? Like he, he, yeah. he gave it to her, or, he, or she gave it to him. Either way, they also were both kidnapped by Romulans, right? Presumably, like so she was kidnapped by Romulans and taken back to the Romulan homeworld, and like then she had yeah. a kid that looked strangely identical to her, which means that all of the Romulan DNA is super weak, and human DNA. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly off. the uh, certainly the. Uh, Usually, the, uh, the stronger gene would be the dark hair gene, right? But yeah, that's what I was about to say. Her blonde hair was somehow dominant. Yeah, the yeah. allele for blonde is dominant over the allele for Romulan black hair. Yeah, in Romulan, yeah. So Romulan Romulan uh, DNA is weak. Apparently, <laughs> the genes are just like super weak uh, because like all of the human genes want out, which is why she looks exactly like Denise Crosby. It's almost as if she's a clone. So like, they, these were my theories. Like at the time before they. Did the ridiculous explanation, and I didn't believe the ridiculous explanation they gave us. This is her daughter. Homie, she's the same age that Tasha Yar would be if she was alive right now. And she looks just yeah. like Tasha Yar would look if she was alive right now. So she has that dumbass Romulan haircut, this strange Romulan sensibility in her clothing. But like, I was fully ready to believe that they had just taken her back and brainwashed her, you know, mm. and, and it was actually Tasha Yar because it was like, oh, they found her and they took her back and they used her as a plant. Like the same way that later they used, like maybe they made a clone of her and maybe that's how they, <laughs> right? They practiced with sure, her and sure. got on later, right? <laughs> same thing. And now, they, they were gonna use her, they were gonna take her and they were send her back when she was like, no, I don't wanna go back there. I like, I like this civilization better, this is cool. Actually, if you think about it for a second, let me stop you and I'll, I'll try and correct some things. The Romulan Star Empire is an empire 
And often what you have when, with your leadership in an empire is a lot of a certain type of activity. Let's call it uh, crossbreeding. Let's call it inbreeding. The genome in the, the leader that she slept with may have been weak because uh, his family tree is a straight line. God damn it. We're a great fix. <laughs> so his, I mean, he's got, you know, like, like, like the old joke oh, from, uh, what's his face? The redneck guy, you know, his, his, that Romulan leader, his family tree is a straight line. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. I, wow. That's, uh, that's interesting because this episode is all about, this episode is, to me, for me is all about, uh, she's on the teeth and, and highlighting the, the, uh, the amazing work they did. Well, the, the mediocre work they did, I gotta tell you. Let me be honest with you, Star Trek. You, yeah. you kind of like let the let it slip, right? Because when we when I first started hearing about Discovery, I wanted like immediately wanted like familiarize myself with the um, people playing the roles, right? So like yeah. that's on the Chris Obi because I thought it was gonna be a Klingon that we we're gonna see again and again and again. Well, mm-hmm. best Klingon I've ever seen do a Klingon, like except for um, uh, Christopher Plummer. Well, Christopher Plummer is okay, but like uh, who am I thinking of? That's the best. You know, anyway, oh. Worf, that's right. It was Michael Dorn playing Grandfather Worf. Like, that was mm-hmm. great. Like, he was great. Klingon. So anyway, the other, the other guy they showed, you know, when they were first started, I think the first three people they, they, they talked about casting were, um, Brack, if I can't remember her name right now, so it's Chris Obi, Shazad Latif, who was supposed to be playing Klingon Commander Bolt. They, they said that whole thing. And also, the you know, Laurel. Um, but they uh, they said the whole thing, that Tyler was going to be playing this Klingon, this leader of a Klingon rogue group, rogue Klingon group, and then they later said that they had recast him as a Starfleet officer. Hmm. They let it slip, like right there. They were like, "Oh, you're talking about like uh, out, out out of universe when they're talking about in the real world." Yeah, yeah. Like in the real world, they had you know those press releases, and they said they, they kept oh, okay. about taking this role as a Klingon. And then later, they're like, "Oh, we changed his role to a human." Mm-hmm. Which they shouldn't ever let slip the Klingon thing. They should have been like, "We brought him aboard as a human because we saw his face." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, how cool was it when, you know, Michael Burnham is barely holding her own against uh, Tyler Folk, and uh, Saru just totally grabs him and yeah. owns the guy. That tosses him to the side. Uh, yeah. I can tell you that that's in that scene, just before he does that, we, we learned that uh, Kelpians are extremely strong. We, we'll see yeah. the reference again uh, in the future, uh, in future episodes. But, yeah. uh, like, Burnham brought herself to this point because mm-hmm. he asked her to stop. Like he said, please stop. And she kept pushing and pushing and pushing. So she made Volk come out. Where where did he say stop? This is when they got back to the uh, back to the, uh, to the, to the yeah. You know, and she's she's pushing and pushing. She's like, what's up? What's going on? I know this is not PTSD. What's, what's happening with you? What's going on? And she, I don't know why she's asking because she doesn't want to hear the answer because she knows what the answer could possibly be. And he's telling her what the answer could possibly be. I don't think I'm me. And then she's like pushing and pushing. And he's like, can you stop? Stop. Just hold on. Stop. Because yeah. he, can't, he can't control it. And like, he finally flips and he, he has no choice but to lash out at her. Yeah, yeah. Well he, well, he doesn't lash out at her. He doesn't lash out. Like, Tyler doesn't lash out. Tyler is basically, basically curled up in a ball in the corner. Like, please stop doing this. Please. <laughs> fetal fetal yeah. position. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and then in his head, he does the whole prayer leading up to the defining moment. And what's supposed to bring Volk out is him connecting with Pharrell and them connecting to... Um, to the idea of chaos, right? So okay. he gets to the point of someone that he has a relationship with, right? Similar to, you know, Laurel. So there's a wall, right? That's between uh, Volk 
in Tyler. And what's supposed to happen is that the wall's supposed to break, Tyler's personality is supposed to go away, and all this information is supposed to flow into Hulk. What uh -huh. happens is that that wall comes down, and they're both there. Oh, uh, they kind of merge? Because, because Tyler has a tether, and his tether is there in his face, uh -huh. and Hulk is trying to come out. So because <laughs> Tyler has his tether, like, Hulk can't come out. But the information exchange back and forth happens. So now Tyler has all of the information of Volk. But okay. Volk is stronger. So Volk shoves Tyler down and he's like, get out of my way. I'm going to go kill this bitch. <laughs> well, the other thing I noticed is that uh, um, apparently in the mirror universe, making the attempt is illegal. Succeeding at the attempt is not illegal. Correct. As long as you succeed, and then they praised you as a hero for killing the other person and as, as getting promoted. Yes, you were correct. Um, there's a, not to not to rewind to the entire beginning of the episode, but let's let's focus on what these three people that were beamed on the space were found guilty of was seditious thoughts. I'm sorry, malicious thoughts against the yep, empire. Yep. But oh, does that prove that uh, beta that they that we have oh, betazoids? That is a good point. Perhaps so. Perhaps that does because they get they got accused of thoughts. They didn't like they didn't do they didn't say they did anything. They just said they were accused of thoughts against the Empire. And they yeah. didn't act. Like and yeah. they like they were kind of culpable of it because they, they because of their non objective. I, I don't know. Maybe Vulcan I suppose they could have just randomly decided to um, Vulcan mind rape people, but I, and they can. They apparently they do. And that's <laughs> and, that, and that's a part of your issue with like this Starfleet not being the Starfleet you're familiar with um, because when we get back okay, I'm gonna jump to another episode when we get back like <laughs> the, I think it's like the beginning of the next episode like yeah uh, Sarek immediately mind rapes like the crew like yeah Saru that he ra rapes like instantly he comes back and he's like where's your captain we don't know where he is and then he fucking walks over and rapes um, Saru or whoever it is that he mind melts with first get back yeah Maybe we can discuss that in a later episode when it actually happens um there <laughs> moment that I wanted to reference, and I have not referenced. There's what the moment that I wanted to reference. Yeah, I was having the conversation about uh, Tyler's little head roll, and you may not know what I'm talking. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go to timestamp 3854 in this episode, um, because that was the final snap. Like maybe something in that, in 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 that love, right? The love for Burnham, mirroring love of Volk, is what connected him to. To, to connected his mind to his body. I don't know. Like, is it is it when he rolls back his head? Maybe that's like a lizard brain coming out. I don't know. But thirty <laughs> timestamp. Check that out, and you'll see the, the head roll that happens. And like, you see, this just Latif is amazing in this moment. Like, he's an incredible actor for this time. And it's like he he rolls his head back, and he like feels folk come in, and he opens his eye. He comes back to you know at normal to and you, all of a sudden he's folk, and I can see it in his eyes. Like, yeah. All of a sudden, like it's amazing what he does. Why is she resisting stunning him? She's got a gun right at his face. All he has to do is pull. She has to do is pull the trigger. Why does she even let him get close enough to pull the gun out of her hand? She thinks that threatening him is enough. She doesn't know that he's a Klingon because she knows goddamn good and well what a Vulcan hello is, right? Yeah. She doesn't know that Volk just appeared in front of her. Like Tyler leans his head back. Like if somebody did that in my in front of me, like just did that. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? What are you on, homie? Like for real. Like, <laughs> like that was creepy as shit. And then like, does he roll his head back? And then he opens his eyes and it becomes someone else. Like it's, I can see it. 
the, the yep. eyes are just crazy. Them eyes though. Them eyes though. He's just crazy. Like <laughs> there's a couple of set dressings that I've noticed in the background, especially in the transporter room. Uh-huh. Have you ever noticed behind the transporter control operator? Um, there's a, a a random Dalek just sitting there. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. There's Daleks like hiding out in several places. You know what? That's what that thing on the damn bridge is. It's a freaking inside out Dalek. And that person Where? is going to be swallowed by those blue. You know, in the bridge, the little blue station. The guy oh, in the blue okay. bridge was the like, what's going to happen is at some point, those blue lights are going to converge on that guy and swallow him whole and turn inside out and it's going to become a Dalek. That's exactly what that's <laughs> Dalek. Okay. Oh, Dalek. Control. Yeah, here Tilly is oh. still in the uh, mirror universe uniform she's not just not wearing her gold plating yeah because that stuff is heavy man who wants to carry all that stuff yeah, yeah. well i mean michael gets out of it as soon as she can too well michael's a beast man <laughs> so um i noticed that uh stamets is lost in the mycelial network and yeah. he quote died he they lost all readings on him and they're, it's almost as if they're foreshadowing the fact that Culpepper could come back too. And Stamus is just the first one to do it. I wish we'd seen the scene where it happened because there's, I don't know how long your brain is alive after your uh-huh. snap, but I yeah. imagine it's likely a long time. Okay. Because it doesn't shut off the veins that go to your brain. Like it just shuts off, like, yeah. I, maybe I don't understand things properly. Basically like, what happens when you get decapitated is you, uh, your brain uh, suffocates to death. Sure, but he didn't get decapitated, right? Like just, well, it's kind of the so same like, thing because it's... Did it break the veins in them? It broke, broke them up. It broke like the bone, right? But did it break the nerves? I break. What happens is it breaks the uh, spinal cord and the right. spinal cord can no longer send the permanent command for the heart to beat and uh, everything else. Although the, the the weird thing is, if you clone heart material, it'll beat on its own. Yeah, that's fucking weird. If you if it's you know alive, because they've been practicing with um, just growing meat yeah. and not and not actually ha- having so that we can have meat without actually having to kill something. Right. Well, and they're also been practicing with ways of actually regrowing your own organs and the when you regrow it you have to regrow it outside of the body using your own your own personal T cells and the T cells become say heart tissue and that that small little piece of of heart tissue starts to pulse and fluctuate like a regular heartbeat T cells are the commanders of your immune system um different cells like the um what are they called? They're, they're the cells that they use from babies. The um, yeah, they're T cells. No oh, man, they're stem cells. Stem cells. Thank you. Uh, sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't come up with it for a second. I'm just. I just. I didn't know they're not T cells. But yeah, you can. You can use stem cells, your own stem cells, to grow. Like stem cells can become any cell in your body. They just have yeah. to, mRNA has to get the message into the cell to grow. This is what you grow. This is what you do. Yeah. mRNA. Yeah. Uh, comes from the comes from well I, in your body and it tells it, it sends me it's like a little tiny like DNA packet right it's little tiny well packet. it sends it in there it's basically a recipe and yeah cell has like everything it needs inside of it to create it the, the stem cells have everything needs they need inside of them to create any cell in your body so all they're waiting yeah. you have all the ingredients are sitting there with the inside the oven and we're just waiting for somebody to send the recipe so we get the mRNA recipe 
then they go out and they then they create proper cells. And this is what Yo. science that is you've been used to create the coronavirus vaccine. And this this science came from HIV. Well, research. and and some of it is um uh like extracellular matrix. What they do is they put the scaffolding up of the shape in the shape of the heart, and well, they they use a heart, you know, and they clean out all the cells and leave all the connecting tissue that they call extracellular matrix and it's like a scaffolding on a building and the cells know since the extracellular matrix is there they know that there's the if you put the stem cells there they say oh this is the space where a heart goes so i have to become a heart cell that's close enough i'll take that i mean it's kind of a layman's term description of it but uh, so I I noticed one thing. What'd you notice, man? The thing that Saru pulls out of the boot or wherever it was uh, on the click on Vogue is is a not it's a regular floppy disk. It's a three and a half floppy disk. Man, or is it three and a half? No, those came from from the original Star Trek, right? Like <laughs> that's where they came from. Either that, or they're some sort of optical floppy disks. Well, I mean that's. Obviously, what they are in this context, but in Kirk's context, it was some sort of disc, and in our context, it was something that we made that looks just like what they made in Star Trek. Like those came first; they came in Star Trek first. Oh, so it's like uh, um, before the um, uh, razor. Hmm. Before the razor was the Star Trek the Star Trek uh, communicator, and then we yeah, did. Yeah, but there, I was talking about um, what are the data chips that. Are, are the data crystals that are in TNG? Those are isolinear data chips. Yeah, isolinear. They're they're proto isolinear chips. So isolinear. Yeah, that's exactly what they are. But I. But that's what discs are. Like discs are proto USB drives, right? And that's what yeah, okay. are. They're isol. They're they're US. They're flash drives. <laughs> well, except it's, uh, they're like flash FF. drives are are created with flash memory, and data discs are created with uh, magnetic memory. So like discs, like puppy discs are created in the same way that a record is created, only on like a laser scale. Yeah. Um, and the the, the flash drive puppy discs don't use lasers. It's the same. Like there, it's in a it's in a circle. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how okay. it, it spins and records and spins and plays. It's 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 a tiny tiny record player, just like yeah. Like but they, records are me- are are well. They're, well they're records are. Records are cl- more analogous to CD- CDs than they are to magnetic recording. In a sense, I mean, I, it's it's a similar spin spin and find this thing, spin and find this. You know, this this is located here on this drive. This is located. I got what you're saying. It's yeah. different. It's also very much the same. Okay. Flash uh, is a very much a departure, but it's not a departure because we always had that because we always had like CMOS, right? So we always had BIOS, right? So uh-huh. we. Always- we always had like when you turn the computer off, you turn the computer back right on. He knows what time it is, and that's because yeah. you got a flash fucking memory in here that's counting down. Well, not only that, but there's a battery in there that has a minimal amount of power that keeps power to the clock. What we should have is we should just have like all the computers should be connected to the naval observatory so they can just sync the time. Because I got a clock, <laughs> I got a clock in my bedroom. Plug it in, and it like well, goes through, 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 and then it flips through all the numbers, and then it gets the right time because it got it. Microsoft alleges that your time on your clock is actually brought to you by that that clock that you're talking about. It is, yeah. It's, it's the atomic it's, clock. I actually live uh, right next door to that clock, which is where 
uh, over the past weekend, uh, your vice president moved into her new home uh, at the Naval Observatory. Uh, which she is where just now moved into her new. Yeah, home. yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a minute. I mean, it's only it's April. Why? Like, she didn't know she was she was supposed to move in there until February, and then she's got to actually do the moving. Like it takes a while, man. Uh, well, I mean, our regular president got moved into the appropriate office right away. I mean, not of course he has more staff taking care of that for him. So they had to renovate the house, the, uh-huh. the the vice president's house, because the previous guy did some crazy junk in there. That like oh, they, they have to vacuum out the, all the stank and the. Yeah, uh, they had to get all of the puddle off the fiddle floors <laughs> because, like, as squeaky as a public appearance he has. I'm sure that there are some whips and chains and leather happening in that vice president <laughs> behind a, a, a fence and a gate and security guards and security doors. So it's safe, man. Like nobody's going to find out what you're doing unless I can use my binoculars from my back door, but I can't. It's it's very well hidden. Um, at one point on on one point on Twitter, I um uh, one uh, somebody said like Star Trek is not for conservatives. And I was, I was like, oh, yeah, I totally agree. Star Trek's really not for Republicans. It's for, you know, people who are a little more progressive. And then one guy, oh. he goes, hold on, hold on. I thought Star Trek was for everybody. And I said, oh, wait, hold on, you got me. Yep. Yeah, he's okay. totally right. But you're also mixing your metaphors because not all Republicans are conservatives and not all conservatives are Republican. And this is true. And not, not all Democrats are progressives. Absolutely. 100%. Because there are nine billion different personalities and people that have to exist and nobody can be the same so everybody has to be somebody so there's got to be a whole constant <laughs> and in that constellation you are one i am one and don't yep. who Voldemort. he who shall not be named Bleep. i'm gonna beep out that, Bleep. that name Bleep. what else you got guys because i uh because i got uh, uh there's a uh, there's a moment there's a thing that sort of does Okay. I'm talking about. I probably don't have the sound, same sound system that you do. I, you wouldn't need it. There's a visual thing that he does with it too, and there's and, and there's an emotional thing that he does with it because it's at particular moments, and it's a moment of like, it's just I can't. It's like a punctuation at the end of a sentence sometimes, and it's it's a clock. It's just a sound. It's just like I, I can't even describe it. I wish I could play it. Uh, maybe maybe I'll drop in a sound bite here. Lieutenant Ash Tyler. As acting captain of the USS Discovery, I hereby remand you to the brig to await the tribunal. Okay, there we go. Let me know. Comment below if I drop it in. Actually, I'll know by now. It's it's in this episode. Mm-hmm. Timestamp four 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 one or four 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 two. You'll hear it. You'll see it. it. I know it's intentional. No one ever mentions it because I think it's just like an affectation of his character that, like, if you mention it, it's probably rude. Just like if we were to like mention, I don't know, Tilly's weight, like that would be rude, right? We don't mention that because it's whatever. Ooh, what? Tilly's weight, did you say? I don't say anything of the sort. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Tilly's not fat. I don't know what you're talking I didn't say that. <laughs> so anyway, there's this moment in 444. Listen, Mary, what? <laughs> I'm on point was That was Earl. That was me. Okay. What? I think he's fucking gorgeous. So let's. Move I on. like Tilly. I do too. I think she's like the one of the best characters ever of Star Trek. No bullshit. I'm not not even kidding. Like she is the realization of Wesley Crusher that they couldn't quite get to. Like they were trying to do that with him, but they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And they certainly couldn't have this little teenage white boy talking about like science is fucking cool on TV in the '80s. That that wouldn't. Oh, have- why not? Yeah. 
Hey, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. They'd been like, uh, Star Trek is some trash. Well, I mean, I guess they were always, over, yeah, they were kind of also trying to turn away from the stigma of Star Trek geeks and Star Trek nerds and Star Trek's only for losers. Hey, but Star Trek is, science, science is cool. Like, she's not, she's not wrong. Science is super cool. Like, everyone thinks science is cool. Like, even when people that don't like science, like, get shown something cool in science. Like, science is cool. It's, it takes a lot of work. Calculus is cool, right? But calculus takes a lot of work and a lot of practice. It's, it's annoying and it's painstaking. And I wish that I hadn't had to study it, but I'm glad that I had to study because it gave me, like, the fortitude to study some things that I don't really want to study. Um, it's because, like, if it's on the list of things that you have to have to graduate, you're going to do it. And it's like, I'm glad I did it. I, I, I'm not going to use it ever, except in, like, trying to parse, like, the meaning of existence. But, like... I, I'm glad that I, I've never taken I calculus. Good on you, homie. Don't do it. You took statistics. Though. I mean, heavy. I took statistics. Man, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah like, I did. It's nearly as as complicated as calculus. There's a lot of permutations of your head that you have to go through to figure it out, and um, that's the thing. Like science is cool. It's difficult, but it's cool. I mean, I like I like now that people can talk about a bell curve, and I know what that means and how to get one. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that. So like. <laughs> Like learning all these difficult things and different concepts and new concepts like opens your mind and your world more than you would even expect. Like you can understand things you didn't know you were gonna like they didn't tell you, okay, now when you study this you're gonna understand this. Like, no. Like nobody told you that when you when you watch Star Trek you're gonna learn that how why and how racial bias is wrong and you're gonna learn how to like be a better person. Like nobody tells you that, but that's that's what it is, man. That's what it's for. <laughs> yeah, there was there was something that you were talking about earlier that reminded me of a YouTube video. Oh, I know what it was. It's a video of a YouTube creator that was talking about what do conservatives actually like about Star Trek. Isn't this the same guy who did the uh, Measure of a Man thing as a, from from a lawyer's perspective? Um, no, this is from Steve Shives, and I think you're oh. thinking of uh, Legal Legal. Perhaps I'm not a YouTube aficionado. Um, although I do like, I have a huge YouTube queue because when I when I do go to YouTube, they, they, their algorithm ends up showing me like, of course, as you would expect, because they took that list and they understand what it is and they know how the algorithm, <laughs> and they you know they find amazing things for me and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna save that, watch later, I'm save that, watch later, save that. So I, yeah, I've got a million mile long watch later list and I never get to it. I, I don't know if I'll ever get to them, but like you know, if I'm ever you know retired and. <laughs> Vaguely wealthy. If they stop making regular TV, you mean? Yeah, like if they ever do that, like. So this is what we do. This is what we do, Earl. I don't know if you noticed this. We uh, we we talked we talked for like a billion years about Star Trek, and then uh, and we started like we we do lots of ums and ahs and uh, how the world is. It's the way the world ends. It's the way the world ends. It's the way the world ends. Off with a bang. Put the wind first. Okay. So okay. So here's a funny thing. I think we're, uh, I think we're there. I think we reached, I think we reached. Where are we at? The end, Thomas. The, the 32nd century? The end. My only friend, the end of our elaborate. <laughs> the end. What, what? Spotify is going to totally, uh, copyright strike us for that. Or whatever media you happen to be listening to us on. I'm just going to swirl my ice in this empty bottle. The rest of the episode, we got like 10 minutes on here. Oh, okay. 
Well, everybody, that's our show for this evening. So, uh, so let's just just as a reminder, I am Earl Gray. I'm Jack Dorino, and you should totally, absolutely, 100% subscribe to Paramount Plus. Get the no commercials plan because we love it. Great, it's the best thing ever. Yo, and and it's only what is it like nine ninety nine, seven ninety nine? And it's like ten. It's less than ten bucks. It's less than ten bucks, man. Less than ten bucks a month. <laughs> I love it when people say it's less than ten bucks, and it's actually one penny less it's than so ten annoying. dollars. But listen, it's really it's less than ten bucks. Um, and uh, it's not because you add in tax. <laughs> I know, I don't know. And. and <laughs> <laughs> You'll get uh, Star Trek Lower Decks uh, Season 2. You'll get Star Trek Picard Season 2. And you'll get, next year, a new show called Star Trek Strange New Worlds featuring Captain Pike, number one. Spoilers. And the rest of the crew. No, I don't want to know. It's coming in. No, it's not. I want to be in a vacuum about anything about everything in the I, I know, I know, but you got like these are the things that keep me keep me uh, like hopeful for tomorrow. Like the only thing that got me through the last few years before you know 2017 was like I know it's gonna come back. I know it's gonna come back. <laughs> and like watching fan films and like you know doing RPGs and done you know because I, I I was I was that guy in that space station waking up every day with the micro beads and going to my computer and writing some <laughs> and then I would leave my desk and it would micro bead back down to my bed and I would. Just Keeping the hope alive so that I can get somebody to come and hang this fracking flag on the wall because Starfleet, because we are Starfleet, are we not? We are Starfleet. Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako 3 Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.